Welcome to the Injection Connection, in-depth discussions with thought leaders and professionals in the polyurethane infrastructure repair industry. Well, welcome everybody to yet another installment of the Injection Connection with Charlie Lerman, the Grout Geek. And real quick side note on this, I, I've gotten my moniker. There was this guy in the industry that I always thought was weird. His name was Captain Grout, and I thought it was silly that he'd run around with a moniker like that. And after uh, 15 years of seeing, you know, what it's done and how he's built a reputation on it, I, uh, I ended up taking a moniker uh, basically right after uh, he retired from the industry. And that is Paul Lehman, who I have right here with me. Uh, Paul, um, you have quite a diverse background, and I always refer to you as the Kevin Bacon of grouting, who seems to know everyone in the, in the grout industry, uh, and at least have some kind of connection everywhere. So how did you get into this field? I mean, what's your background, Paul? Well, I put myself through college as a cement finisher, and that kind of got me started in the construction phase, even though I had a teaching degree and a and a um, business major, uh, being a contract contractor on the weekends and a cement finisher, it kind of got me started in this business. And um, from there, it kind of progressed. So I went from a phys ed teacher to a phys ed math teacher to an athletic director, became a principal of a small junior high. And I said, man, this isn't for me. I'm going back to regular teaching. And then I went back just to regular construction. And so I got into the construction field full-time you know about in the middle of the 80s gotcha. and then i actually quit construction went back to maine where i grew up and became the athletic director at my old high school where i graduated from and, so, and aren't you back at a school right now yeah i'm back in maine yep back right. here in good old um new gloucester so so gone full full circle there Yep, and then I go down there every once in a while and I volunteer as their maintenance guy or help them out with different projects. Paul is, for everybody out there, Paul's also uh, uh, very handy and uh, doesn't sit still very well. So he's built cars, no. planes, all kinds of stuff since I've known him. So, um, and so let's see, I met you first uh, when you joined Denise, and I think that was in the, uh, what, around 2006, 2007? Probably about that time, yeah. Yeah, yeah right, right, right around there or, or whatever. And uh, uh, we worked together for, for a few years there, and you were actually out here in the uh, Seattle area. Correct, um, yeah. Right. Um, and then uh, from, from Denise, you were there, and, and I guess what, during the, the GCP transition, is, is that when you uh, switched over to uh, Speed Tech? Or shortly exactly, after? yeah. Right. Yeah, we were at Denise for a few years and under the Grace moniker, and then most of us left and went back to speed tech. Right. And for those out there that, that don't know, um, Grace, uh, um, around the, the two, uh, 2010, right, right around that, that time period, uh, bought, um, uh, excuse me, Denise. And so there was a transition and then Grace transitioned into GCP. So there's some history there with the, the product lines and stuff. Um, but so Paul and I worked there to, together at Denise, and then, like you said, you went on to Speed Tech, which then merged into Alchemy Speed Tech, and then Paul and I briefly worked together again uh, right before he retired. I came on to uh, Alchemy Speed Tech about, I guess, about three years ago now. So correct, yeah, yeah. So um, Paul has a a, a wealth of uh, information and, and just knowledge of, of this industry and all the players and stuff like that. Uh, so. Um, we've talked about how you got into it. What, what are, and I always like, uh, uh, kind of opening with these kind of questions. What, what's your 
top maybe one, two, or three common mistakes you, you see from um, it, when people get into grouting? I think they get over uh, ambitious to say, well, we can fix this and we can fix that. Or they don't have quite the right knowledge or, you know, right, they don't recommend the right product. Um, like one of the projects we were on, they were going to recommend a, um, an, uh, an, acro an acrylate. There we go. Got that word out. And really, it wouldn't work well for an acrylate because the way it's designed and it's, it's about 50% water, where they really need to go with the GP kind of grout. So and that's probably the thing. They overthink the job too much. It's a fairly simple process, but you don't want to overthink it. Just be straightforward and um, just take your, your normal steps and um, work from there because the products really work well. It's, and depending where you're at and, and you can massage these products and change them in the field if you have to, but you know, the simpler the, the process, the easier it is. Right. No. And, and, and that, that's real important. And you, you know, uh, uh, Jim likes to use a, um, a term, he calls it fail forward. And, and, and I, I like that. And then fail is not necessarily maybe the, the right exact term for grouting, but you know, there's a lot of theory crafting where people say, oh, well, you, you know, we know in a lab, the grout does this, this, and this. And then they assume that they have lab conditions out there in the field and you don't, you have field conditions. You, you don't know what's out there. So unless you, all the theory crafting you do until you get out and actually pump some grout and see what you got going on, it's all guesswork at that, that point. I think that kind of ties into what you're saying there. Absolutely. And then you've got the mechanics in the field and you've got some smart guys in the field. And when you come upon a project, you know, they may already figure that out. And so listen to the people in the field, because that's where I've learned a lot of my, my, my techniques and things. These guys in the field are, are smart people. They're intelligent people and they can give you some really good guidance and little tricks as they've used that can, you can pass those on. Don't be afraid to listen to them. Right. And, and, and with that, there are the with the guys out there they're not not just that they're smart but they find it interesting to figure out what's going on and it's, it's a, you know like I, i've said I, I see it as a game and it's just very stimulating to to get in there and see, see what's going on and figure out the problems and, and uh you know take care care of those issues for, for and exciting and just because one guy does it one way i have an old buddy um when we were grouting, he just liked to use those big old hand pumps where I like to use electrical pump, you know, the Graco types, but he liked his old hand pump there. And he was an excellent guy at that. And he could use a hydrophilic and a hydrophobic interchangeably. It didn't really make a difference because he knew how the products worked and he was from the old school. So just because his methods were old school, they worked well. And so you don't, you don't um, throw those out, you know, with the baby out with the bathwater. There, there are many ways to grout the same structure. And, and I always tell people, unless you, you know, unless you get out there and try a bunch of different ways, you're not going to know. And typically what happens is you find the first way that works for you and you stick with that. And, and I'm not saying to adjust that, but a lot of times there's still a couple other ways you could go about it. So uh, when I get engineers say, well, what's the right way to do this? There's not an exact, there's wrong ways to do it, but the yes. right way is there's a lot of variables on that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and these guys, I mean, these guys in the field, they know the conditions, they know the structure because every dam or every mine, every tunnel has got its own idiosyncrasies. And these kids have been working down there, you know, for a long time. They know how that structure works and what's going to do and listen to them. And then you guys can have come to a commonality of, of thoughts. Right. So when I first, uh, um, because I, I was in the industry a bit, I, I was especially waterproofer, but then when I started at Deneath and then first met Paul, um, 
I was just baffled about how, how much this man had, had traveled and, and knew all the areas. So I'm very interested to see what you have for, for this uh, next question here. So what are some of the most interesting jobs or u- unique or interesting jobs that you've been on? Well, it, kind of the neat ones are, um, we did the, the Hoover, we've been at Hoover Dam, we did the Seattle tunnels, but the job I did up in Canada um, on the um, tunnel, I mean, on the water system for the city of Vancouver, we were in shafts that went down 1,800 feet, 600 meters. You know, you get down there, it's pretty dark and cold. And when the pumps go off or the electric goes off, it gets pretty dark. But those are some of the neat projects. Then, of course, the projects we did up in Alaska, up above the um, Arctic Circle, we did a huge tank up there for CH2M Hill. And we, the tank was over a million-gallon tank, and we had to stabilize the whole bottom underneath it over permafrost. And again, the mechanics we took up, we had to fly everything up in an airplane, of course. Right. And then unload it. And um, the, the mechanics up there, the kids at work, they were just smart as could be. They knew how that structure was going to work. And um, so, you know, from Arizona, the Salt River projects down along the Colorado to all the way to the Arctic Circle. And then, you know, being in mines and gold mines and just every structure was different and neat. And it was, it was a challenge. It was fun because... You met a lot of neat people, you know, and, and different, a lot of characters too, but they all had their little unique bend and everybody had their little niche and it was just a neat job. It really was. It wasn't work. It was every day you got a new adventure. Right. And you had a problem. And, and you know, a lot of times when you talk to people in the grouting industry and, and, and maybe I'm biased because that's where I've been, you, you know, for, for the last 15, 16 years, but they're, they're passionate uh, about it. They, they find it interesting. It, it's not just the, the standard, you know, I'm just going to apply a you, you know, two mil coat of this and we move on to the next tank or something. It's, it is. It's always unique and, and typically it's very unique uh, um, situations. Uh, you brought up some remote sites there and, and I found it interesting in my career uh, where I've had engineers talk to me about a project and I'm like, well, that sounds like you should do cementitious grouting. And they turn out not to be cementitious grouting just because of the remoteness. They can't get concrete out, out to a, a site or something like, like that. So I've seen uh, urethane jobs that just because of, uh, um, I guess, uh, mobilization, they, they use the chemical grout. So it's not the most cost effective when you compare materials, but when you compare mobilization, then the chemical grout comes in. Well, like one time we were out on the, um, we had to go out the Aleutians and we, we put, I think, about 15, 20 pails of grout in the airplane, and then we put in another 15 pails of, of fuel. So right. get, we had to put the fuel in the airplane, too, because if, we got out on the, on the islands, and they had to get themselves back. So we had the grout and the fuel. Both The plane had to carry both of us out there. That is so and cool. When we got out there, the guys pull out the 15 pails of fuel and start fueling the airplane up so they can get back and leave us with our grout there on the Aleutians. It was it was just neat stuff like that and, and the people you meet out there. Right. Yeah, very much so. That's awesome. And all the equipment we put in big um, trunks and carried all our equipment. If, what we didn't take with us, we weren't going to find at the local hardware store because there weren't none for right. a thousand miles. No, and that is real important and specifically there. I mean, uh, but even when you're, you know, just a couple miles in a tunnel and just the 20 minutes to get back out to get that screwdriver you, your team forgot. So, so oh. it's important to make those lists and know what you need to have. Yeah, we were doing a, a mine up in Alaska and um, the grouse started getting away from us. And luckily we were down two miles in the mine, but luckily we had enough catalyst and 
cleaning agent that we could save the grout and, and the pump because otherwise we would never had time to take it out to the entrance and fix it up and we'd lost the pump and we're, you know, 100 miles, 200 miles from the closest um, so, I mean, civilization. So we'd have been toasted up there. Right, but right. Again, those are things we, you, you just kind of learn after the years of doing this stuff. Yep, indeed. So, uh, um, so we, we, I had mentioned that, you know, Paul was, was with Denise when, when it was bought and stuff like that. So uh, I just, uh, on the uh, last episode, I was talking to John Zabel, and I'm going to ask you the same, same question there. Um, do you have an opinion about the small grout manufacturers being bought by these major companies like, like Grace or uh, Prime being bought by uh, RPM or, or any of that kind of stuff? Yeah, I really do. Because when we were at great, when it was just Denise, there was 12 of us guys nationwide. And, and we pretty well wrote the book. We didn't have to have a lot of bureaucracy telling us what to do and when to do it and how to do it and what our sales were going to be. The small companies, they, they understand the customer because the customer is king. The big cust companies, they don't care about the customer. All they care is about that bottom line for that next um, week's, you know, value added or the next week's stock market price. They don't care anything about the product. Or the customer it's all just what can money they can stuff in their pockets and i think that they lose the quality of service too because the little guy is just as important as the big guy because the little guy is the guy that's going to be out there and tell what a, a unique situation that they fix with the grout where the big companies don't care at all i just you know once they they go to the big company and then i in my opinion the quality of product suffers because they can ship it around to plants all over they don't have that man in the shop like when we were at denise they had a guy in the shop that he could smell the difference. He knew that product inside out, when to add the right products. And when you the big company, all they go is buy a formula and it's like a recipe and they don't know all the nuances and the idiosyncrasies of that product. And it's, it's sad because they lose the quality and the performance, I, in my opinion. Right. No, that, that, that is very well stated. And, and uh, I, you know, I, 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 I do, I, I agree with that, that um, grouting is very nuanced and, and specialized. Oh, so, yeah. Thank you. Let's see. So, um, what's, uh, another question I'd like to ask is, uh, what's the, the biggest, uh, uh failure or, or problems you, you've had on a job? Mm, I don't know. We did that big building in San Francisco where the building is actually leaning now, you know, and that was unique because right. the biggest problem there was one time the guys were drilling in and they hit a cable and luckily it didn't blow them. You know, like it was a, a 10,000 uh, watt box or wattage thing. And luckily, they weren't standing on the pump or with the pump when it, when it hit the cable. Um, those are things you've got to be careful with. And safety is incredible down there because you could be out, you know, in a mine a mile back or down a shaft. Or, and um, if something goes wrong, you can't get out quick and you're in the mud and the muck up to your knees. You know, one job, we were, we were down a mile in a tunnel and uh, one of the gates broke and it was in a dam. And the water went from our boots up to our knees. <laughs> <laughs> Again, so those are things you got to really be cognizant of and have all your ducks in a row. So, you know, to have yourself ready for any emergency that could come up or, you know, contingency. Right, right. No, and, and it is, especially, you know, when you're confined spaces, like you said, that they offer unique challenges on top of what you normally run into anyway. So. Exactly. Right. All right. Um, let's see. Um, what uh um 
what have been some of the challenges? Because I know you've worked on a lot of uh, uh, dams and, and large projects like that. Um, have you specifically to say the Corps of Engineers or the Bureau of Rec, what, what kind of challenges have you had personally with, with dealing with, with them? The biggest problem I found out with both those organizations, um, they had people sometimes overthought the project and then you'd spend, you know, six, eight months getting the project ready and designing it and make sure you had all your ducks in a row and you get ready for the project and all of a sudden, oh, we're out of budget this year. Oh, we can't do it this year. Um, just like the big job up there in um, California, I can't think of the name of where the, the dam blew out um, up there. Right. I think it was, uh, pardon? No, no, I, I remember what you're talking about. I, I don't, can't Yeah, and we name. showed them how to fix that project, that, that problem. Um, it was just up there by Chico. I can't think of the name of hand. But anyway, we showed them how to fix that problem a couple of years before that and given them some really good ideas and, oh, they couldn't afford it. And then when the whole structure blew out, the spillways blew out, they spent billions of dollars you know, and when they could have, if they hadn't been so cheap in the first place and wasn't in their budget for this week or that week, or they changed their mind the last second. And it's kind of flustered because you've done all this due diligence, you, you lay out your, your scheme, you get your, all your ducks in a row, then all of a sudden the last minute they can, they say, oh no, we're not going to do it. And so you've really laid everything out already. Yeah. And, and, you know, with, with you bringing that up, um, I, I feel that they understand that they also have that issue. Uh, I, I've seen uh, projects come out from, or I guess initiatives where they're trying to uh, speed up and, and streamline the, the process because you right. know, it can be very slow and long to deal with them. So, uh, so yeah, no, thank you very much. Um, so do you have a personal favorite grout? Not necessarily by, by name, but a, a type of grout, hydrophilic, flexible, or, or just anything that you like to go towards? Well, yes. Yeah. The old hydrophilics there that, I mean, phobics, they're the, probably the best because they're, you can change them around depending on the temperatures and things of that nature. Um, and you can, you can, well, the thing is, and you can even some mix them, the hydrophobics and hydrophilics. We've done that in the field by mistake and boy, they, they were the cats meow at that time, the real tickets. So um, just the old standard routes work well. And if, if, and again, it goes back to the manufacturer. If you're using a small, you know, manufacturer like we were at Denif or at, at um, Alchemy Speed Tech, you know, the old products, those are just quality products and you could do a lot and change them in the field. So you feel very comfortable. So if you got in a situation where you needed a little faster reaction, you could, you could do it. But the newer grouts, I don't, you know, I've been out of the business now for three or four years. But again, the old grouts had a lot of flexibility and you could actually mix and match different products that weren't in the books. You could do some pretty neat stuff with them and stop some pretty good holes. Um, and then some situations, if you're down below in a, in a dam, you know, it's not, it's not a bad thing to, if you can't get it, walk away and, for a day or two and think about it. And, you know, go revive, don't just sit there and waste gallon after gallon after gallon when it's not working. Um, there's other ways to do it. Right. So uh, one of the issues I, I've seen, um, and, I, and actually I struggle with some, is uh, using chemical grouts in dry conditions. So say like you're down in Arizona, Southern California, and they know they have a leak, but it only leaks, you know, once or twice a year or something like that, or, or just during a rain. And so they're typically grouting when it's dry. Um, right. Do you have any uh, uh, suggestions on how to kind of overcome the, those kind of hurdles? Yeah, a lot of times, you know, we, we try to put you to the rainy season, but if you can't, then just you use copious amounts of water to get that structure saturated. You want that structure 
you want the concrete around you want it you know so surface saturated really wet in there uh, if you're doing an irrigation canal again you get that surface wet if you have to puddle it for a while get that structure really wet because then the grout really adheres and chases it to its maximum extent and it can really lock itself in because if you don't do it right it's just going to shrink away or it's not going to bond well and then when the when the when it's really needed it may just blow itself out or leak around and finally break down and um, not work right right um well one Watery. last question oh, go. what's that i said so lots of water is your friend yes yes indeed um i i like to give the analogy to, to people that if i hired you to come into my house and paint a room and when you showed up to paint it I turned all the lights off and closed the doors. It was pitch black in there. You could still paint the walls, but it probably is not going to look good when we turn the lights back on. And, and, and I look at it the same way with, with waterproofing. If the water's not there, you don't know where you're going to move that leak to or whatnot. So adding copious amounts of water and stuff is, is very no, important. That, that's very important, yeah, because you may stop it here, but then when the water comes up, it's going to find a hole somewhere else that you didn't, you didn't grout because it wasn't wet. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So, so I have to ask, and, and I'm not sure if I've just gotten old enough or I don't remember if I've never asked you, um, how, how did you get the moniker, Captain Grout? <laughs> well, originally it was my brother. He was the original Captain Grout, and we were, cement, we were um, in the cementious grouting, you know, high strength grout. And then when my brother got out of the business, I said, you know, it probably wouldn't be a bad title for me. It's kind of a goofy name. But people remember me. I don't care if they forget me for anything, but they remember that goofy little fat guy with the name Captain Grout. It's going to work. So I grabbed that moniker. And it, it worked for the last 40 years. It, it, it does. It does indeed. It, and still to this day, I travel around like, yeah, you know, this guy was out here training us. I don't remember his name's Captain Grout. And I was like, all right, that's it. I'm, I'm taking the Grout Geek because, well, you know, as you know, I've always been a geek. So, you know. Uh, it, You're a techie guy. You're a smart right. guy. So, uh, well, Paul, you know, it, it's, it's been excellent um, kind of following you around through, through the industry, you know, a little, little bit behind you and, and seeing uh, as I've grown up in the industry, you've always been, been part of it. So I'm honored to be able to hear and talk to you, to uh, be here and talk to you about it. Um, so thank you very much. Um, and uh, I guess that's a, another session of our uh, Injection Connection with uh, Alchemy Speed Tech, Charlie Lerner. Well, if you, our guests. In, if you need a grout guy in Maine, you just let us know. We'll be glad to help you. That's it. That's it. Paul, Paul has, has retired, but he's still, uh, still is active, does consulting and, and comes out on anything. So seriously, anybody who, who needs help with this, Paul, Paul's a good guy out, out in the area there. So, well, thank you, Paul.